Welcome to Torat Imecha Nachyomi with the OU Women's Initiative. My name is Norma Mintz, and today we will be studying Micha Perak Gimel, the third Perak. Yesterday we learned Perak Bet, in which Micha berates the people for their interpersonal sins, their mistreatment bin Adam Lachaviro. He speaks of rampant thievery and greed, and he places much of the blame on the false prophets of the era who misled the people and who gave them false security. In the end of the parak, according to a number of commentators, Micha begins to describe a future time of peace when a remnant of Bnei Israel, a She'irit, will emerge after the period of punishment that has been described, when Hashem will clearly stand together with his people. In today's parak, Micha very clearly points a finger at the group of people whom he sees at the root of much of the nation's ills, its leaders. Va'omar. Shimuna Roshe Yaakov Ukitsine Be Israel Halolachem Ladaad at Hamishpat. I said, Listen, you rulers of Jacob, you chiefs of the house of Israel, for you ought to know what is right. Well, of course, the leaders should know what is right. The next passage goes on to describe them as haters of good and lovers of evil. In a particularly graphic image, Micha describes Gozlei Oram Ma'alehem. You tear the skin from my people and the flesh from their bones. You have devoured my people's flesh. You have flayed the skin off them and their flesh off their bones. And after tearing their skins off them and their flesh off their bones and breaking their bones to bits, you have cut it up into a pot, like meat in a cauldron. Radak and Malbim both assume that this is describing the mistreatment of the poor in this time. So the evil leaders take their very skin and flesh as the poor have nothing else that can be taken from them. Rashi, however, sees this as a description of how the leaders preyed on the entire nation, savoring the very suffering they brought upon their people. As such, when Hashem will ultimately redeem the nation from exile, He will ignore the cries of those evildoers. In Psukim 5-8, through 8, Hashem then turns His attention to one specific group of leaders whom He has already berated in our earlier prakim, as the damage that they have inflicted has been significant. This is the false prophets. In Pasuk 5, they are described as Hanoshrim Bishinehem, Vekaru Shalom, Vasherloi Ten Opihem, Vekidshua These people cry peace when they have something to chew, but launch a war on him who fails to fill, fill their mouths. When the crooked prophets are given gifts of meat and they are wed fed, well fed, then they predict peace and tranquility but they foretell calamity and war to those who don't fill their stomachs or line their pockets. As punishments, these false prophets will face the metaphorical darkness described in Pasuk Amvav, the sixth Pasuk. The Radak understands that because of their misleading prophecies, they will face difficulties and troubles. Moshe Zaydel of Dat Mikras sees the verse very differently, stating that the prophecies of these people will go dark. Whereas, whereas Nevi'im are understood in many contexts to receive their prophecies during the night in dreamlike states, 
these prophets will only face night and darkness without any vision of prophecy. What is very striking about the commentary of Dat Mikra there is the assumption that these false prophets had the potential to be true Nevi'im, which they apparently ignored. These were not mere charlatans who were defrauding their communities for sport. They were actually uniquely talented individuals who could have reached prophetic heights, but their greed and selfishness caused them to stoop so low that their channel to Hashem will go dark, leaving them with nothing but despair. Pasuk 7 even describes the shame they will experience when it is clear to all that they have not been truly representing Hashem's communication with them. All of this is in contrast with the experience of Micha, as described in Pasuk 8, who is described as having been filled with Ruach Hashem, the Spirit of Hashem. To declare to Yaakov, to Jacob, his transgressions, and to Israel his sin. Micha does not act as a people pleaser, simply telling the masses what they want to hear. He will confront the nation with their sins, and he will implore them to correct their ways, or he will face, or they will face the consequences. This takes shape in the concluding psukim of our parak. He turns to the leaders once again with a fierce warning. Shim u nazot roshe beit Yaakov u ketzinei beit Yisrael. Hear this, you rulers of the house of Jacob, you chiefs of the house of Israel, who detest justice and make crooked all that is straight. Who build Zion, who build Jerusalem with crime, Jerusalem with iniquity. Micha goes on to point out the hypocrisy of the governmental leaders the Kohanim, and the false prophets, who are driven by their blatant avarice, yet who assure the people that nothing bad can happen to them for Hashem is in their midst. Micha thus concludes in Pasuk Yud Gimel, in the 13th Pasuk, Lachen, biglachem tziyon sadet techaresh, v'yushalayim iyen tihyeh, v'harabayit levamot ya'ar. Assuredly, because of you, Zion shall be plowed as a field, and Jerusalem shall become heaps of ruins, and the Temple Mount a shrine in the woods. Sometimes, when we learn the books of Navi, we can become jaded to the messages of the prophets. Having heard so much about the warnings of the Beit HaMikdash's destruction, it can begin to sound, unfortunately, like more of the same. It is important to note, therefore, that this pasuk is incredibly significant because it is the first prophecy that we ever receive that actually foretells the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash. Micha was the first to ever assert that the Beit HaMikdash itself would be destroyed. This sentence is shocking, and in the minds of some, potentially blasphemous. His detractors could easily accuse him of heresy, denying the eternal nature of Hashem's um, temple. We might therefore ask ourselves, when exactly does this prophecy take place? What was the political and social reality that gave way to such a harsh divine prediction? Much of what Micha describes seems consistent with Yeshayahu's prophecies, Yeshayahu being a contemporary of Micha, so they seem consistent with Yeshayahu's prophecies during the time of Uziah. But 
We know that Micha actually did not prophesy during the time of Uzziah. He started after Uzziah's time. But in fact, the Tanakh elsewhere tells us exactly when this prophecy took place, as this prophecy is discussed in Sefer Yirmiyahu. In the 26th parak of Yirmiyahu, we find ourselves in the midst of the kingdom of Yehoiakim. Yirmiyahu has been imprisoned for his decrees against the people of Yehuda and for stating that the Beit HaMikdash could be susceptible to destruction. The Kohanim and the Nevi'im of his time assert that Yirmiyahu is liable to the death sentence for his words. After Yirmiyahu stands beside his words and he refuses to back down for them, the elders share a history lesson with all of those present. In Yirmiyahu, the 26th parak and the 18th verse, the text states, Micha hamorashti hayaniba bimechizkiyahu melech Yehuda. Vyomer al kol am Yehuda lemor. Ko amar Hashem svakot, Zion sadet hecharesh, v'yushalayim iyim tihiyeh, v'har habayit libamot ya'ar. The elders in Yirmiyahu's time explain, Micha the Morashti, who prophesied in the days of King Chizkiah of Judah, said to all the people of Yehuda, Thus said the Lord of hosts. And the quote begins, Zion shall be plowed as a field, and Jerusalem shall become heaps of ruins, and the temple mount a shrine in the woods. Here, the elders in Sefer Yirmiyahu quote the final pasuk of our parak, recalling Micha's words some time before. They go on and then explain, The elders stated, Did Chizkiyah and all of Yehuda put Micha to death? Did he not fear Hashem? And he entreated Hashem. And God renounced the evil that he had spoken concerning them. But we are doing great harm to ourselves. The elders here argue that they should not kill Yirmiyahu. Rather, they should learn from history. Where Chizkiyahu heeded the words of Micha and thus escaped the fate of his calamitous words in his time. And Hashem forgave Chizkiyahu and the people of Yehuda after Chizkiyahu led the refer- their religious reformation. Of course, this places Paragimel in historical context for us, giving us a more complicated picture of King Chizkiyahu than we may have had. While we know that historically, Chizkiyahu is regarded as a righteous king, apparently at some time in his kingdom, he was corrupted by those who chased bribery and greed. So Micha here criticizes the leaders, including, including Chizkiyahu, for allowing this to take place. And yet... We understand from the parak in Yirmiyahu that this is not the end of the story. As Chizkiyahu was inspired by Micha to repent, and the elders understood these actions to have saved Yerushalayim in that time, presumably from Sancharib's planned attack on Yerushalayim. As such, parak Gimel of Micha actually brought about its intended result, a fact that far too few Nivuot can claim to be the case. Today, we learn the third parak of Sefer Micha. Micha delivered this parak in the time of Chizkiyahu, criticizing the leadership for its corruption and greed. In this prophecy, he pointedly singles out the false prophets of his time for assuring those that gave, that gave them gifts that nothing bad would happen to the people. 
but he warns the nation that the Beit HaMikdash will ultimately be destroyed for this behavior. Based on the way this parak is referenced in Sefer Yirmiyahu, we learn that Chizkiyahu took Micha's words to heart and had the people engage in true tshuva, repentance, saving the people during his time. Thank you for studying together the Eloi Nishmat Riva Schwab, Rivka Bat Alexander Sender.